Thank you, Pastor Curry. My name's Kevin Sanders. I am lead pastor here at Hope Church, and I truly am delighted to see all of you here to worship with you, to proclaim these profound truths together, and to reflect and receive and be transformed by God's Word here together today. If you are new, if this is your first time or your first time back in a while, we are so blessed by your presence. You make us better, and I have no doubt in my mind that God has something in store for you today. Perhaps you have already experienced through the baptism or the songs or the prayers. Maybe it's in the fellowship time afterwards where we eat cookies and we converse together or something in between. God has something in store for you. So may we all be open to receive from him. If you're, whoa, let me try that again. (laughs) If you're tuning in and joining us on the live stream, we are so glad you have come to worship with us in this way today. May you also be blessed this morning. Uh, It's going to be a good rest of the time. And if you're not familiar with who we are at Hope, we're a big, awesome family. We love, we care, we have fun together, and we do a lot of eating together too. We also do a whole lot in our neighborhood, which we just love this Westwood neighborhood. We are grateful to be here. And so if you are curious or looking for a church, I can say you found a good one, okay? Can I say that? I can say that. You found a good one. God is at work in this place, and we would be blessed, and you would be blessed by being a part of this community. Let's receive from God now. Will you pray with me? As Pastor Curry just said, Lord, we want to be open vessels to be transformed by you today, by your love, by your good news, by the hope and joy that can only be found in you. May you go to work in us right now, God. In Jesus' name, amen. You know how there are just some places in this life you just can't go or you shouldn't go? Give you an example. If you're at a bank, you probably shouldn't go behind the counter, right? You will likely be met by a host of security guards and, and workers tackling you. If you're on an airplane, there's a whole series of places you can't go. You can't go to the wrong seat. You can't go to the bathroom in first class. Or you can't go to the bathroom if that little light's on. Really, they're just playing with you, I think, with that. That guy's really got to go turn that light on. Let's see him squirm. I swear that happens. You can't go to the cockpit. You can't go there. You go to the Grand Canyon on vacation. You shouldn't go over the edge. It's beautiful. Don't go over the edge. Don't get that close of a look. Or maybe, have you ever been at a restaurant and you see your food waiting under the hot plate on the counter and you see your server and you're like, there's no way they're going to get there soon. And they're doing their thing. They're they're still not there. Minute goes by. Four minutes go by and you're like, our food is getting worse by the minute. You want to go and get your own food and bring it, but you shouldn't go get your own food. Or at a kitchen, uh, the kitchen in the restaurant. You don't go in there. At home, you don't go in the kitchen when mama's cooking. She likely will have a wooden spoon in her hand. She will know how to use it. You get in her way. And then where else don't you go? Don't go there. (laughs) 
don't go there. Don't go there. It's a scary movie. Don't go in there. Don't go in there. They always go in there, but you know they shouldn't go in there. There's all these places in life where you don't or shouldn't go. But have you ever had the privilege of getting to actually go where you otherwise can't go? Maybe as a kid, you were offered a tour of the cockpit on a plane. The pilot shows you all the controls, and you're like, wow! And then they give you those little flight wings, right? I never got those. I was so jealous of every kid I saw with those. But he got to go where you otherwise can't go. Maybe you could go over the edge of the Grand Canyon on a grand rock climbing adventure. You can go where you otherwise couldn't go. For me, growing up, uh, you know at a shoe store, that magical little place where they go, sometimes there's a little curtain in the back aisle, and they go, we'll be right back, I'll see what I have, and they go back there. A few minutes go by, and they come out with a towering, impressive stack of boxes, always in one hand, with a whole bunch of shoes not in the right size or the style you asked for. You know that place? They went to get those? I've been back there to that magical land. Not just when I sold shoes as a worker, but as a kid. You see, this is pretty awesome. When I was a kid and I could go to that back aisle, I felt like hot stuff. Like, I can go, you all stay out here. If I went to another shoe store and I moseyed into the back, they would say, you can't go back there. What are you doing? But you see, my relationship with my dad at that shoe store, he made it possible for me to go where I shouldn't be able to go. He made a way where there otherwise would not be a way. Today, we celebrate that because of our relationship to our Heavenly Father, because of what was accomplished on the cross, because that tomb is empty, we can now go where we shouldn't be able to go. Because our God has made a way where there was no way. From death to life, from separation from God to union with God. This is what Easter is all about, and that is why we are here celebrating today. Yes, Jesus Christ died. It was the most tragic thing to ever occur. But he did not just die to die. He willingly died so that all might live. What we celebrate in baptism is what Jesus died. Our sinful self died with him. And when he rose again, we rose with him. We are, if we profess his name, a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, and Jesus sets us free from sin, free from death. He made a way where there was no way. Hear the word of the Lord from Romans 6, 6 through 11. We know our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. When we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We're sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead. He will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. 
When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. See, without God, we have no escape from death. We have no escape from hell. We have no escape from pain. No escape from the sorrows and the sufferings of this world. We are trapped. We are chained. We are tormented forever without God as a slave to sin with no way out. And this is not God's design. This is not how he created it to be. We chose this path. When God created us, when he created Adam and Eve, he created them very good. He created you very good. There was total peace in the garden, complete joy, no sorrow, no suffering, no sin, just perfect union with the holy God. But Adam and Eve, and as Scripture tells us, all of us chose a piece of fruit over the creation of all good things. They chose their selfish desires over God's selflessness. They chose evil over holy. And when sin entered the world, it corrupted every single thing in God's good creation, taking that which was good and staining it with the death stench of sin. That moment in the garden created a separation between a holy God and a sinful children. And this separation that we have all experienced, it's the distance between heaven and hell. There is nothing any of us can ever do on our own power to span that gap. Without God, there's nothing but darkness. There's nothing but regret. There's nothing but heartache and pain and evil reigning supreme. But God saw us in our affliction. And he was not content to leave us to our deserved fate. He did not want to leave us in the darkness. No. Instead, from the garden to the grave to the empty tomb, he set about bringing us through the darkness. He made a way where there was no way. Look again at that most horrible and yet beautiful of moments when Jesus Christ breathed his last. When Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split. As Jesus Christ, Son of God, he who was without sin became sin, breathed his very last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The curtain, the veil, this was no ordinary piece of fabric, okay? It was, first off, it was really thick. It was about as thick as the width of a hand, okay? And maybe don't imagine my hand. Imagine like Matt Bronsink's hand, okay? Right? And, <laughs> this thing is thick, right? Like I, uh, uh, and it's woven. So it's a tapestry. It's all woven together. It is strong. 
Now, I have a hard enough time trying to tear open a bag of cereal, okay? Anyone with me on that? Like, what adhesive do they have on those things? And I am, but this thing tore in two. And it didn't tear from like fraying at the bottom or anything. It tore from the top. That doesn't happen. It tore completely. It was an act of God. And what was it even doing in the temple? By the way, it's beautiful too. There's images of, of, of angels uh, embroidered within it, all of this. In the temple, its purpose was to separate, to keep humans away from the holy of holies. Holy of holies. In Old Testament times, this is where the, the, the presence of God would rest on earth. The Ark of the Covenant would be in that space. It was the holiest place on this earth. And us unholy humans could not enter that space or else we would die. But once a year, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest, after being ritually and ceremonially cleansed, was allowed to enter that space and offer a sacrifice. Now, it was completely dark, and he was to go in uh, to offer this offering of atonement on behalf of the people. No one else was allowed in. In fact, they would tie a rope to this high priest. Have you heard this? A long rope for that. If he went in and he was struck dead, they could pull him back out. Not so much to retrieve the body for their own purposes of an honored burial, but to not desecrate the Holy of Holies with his body remaining there. There was no way into the presence of God without death. The veil, it was a physical representation of the very real separation between God and humankind since that day in the garden. Though sin exists since the garden, there's something else that has existed since as well. Since that day, God put into action his great plan of redemption. We know it began in the garden, it culminated at the empty tomb. It was his plan to remove that separation once and for all. No more rituals, no more ceremonies, no more ropes to bodies going into the darkness. None of that. See, without Jesus, there's a veil that separates us from all that is good in life, from the source of life, from the source of love. But on that victorious day, as the Savior of the world breathed his last, the veil was torn in two. The separation gone. The sin that separates had been buried in the ground. The darkness of the world was flooded with the all-consuming light of heaven that will never go out. That which separates us has been removed forever and ever and ever. The veil was torn, the stone was rolled away, and the crucified Christ is the risen living Savior of the world. There's no darkness his light can't penetrate. There's no depth that he won't travel to rescue you. There is no darkness greater nor deeper depth than death. But Jesus made a way. If he can defeat death, he can do anything. God has done everything possible to remove that which separates us from him, all because, all because of his unfathomable love for you. 
He opened heaven's gates open to you. The cost of admission, which was high, has already been paid by the blood of Jesus. He simply asks you to repent and believe and live into this new life you have in Christ. But so many of us, though that what separates us has been removed, we choose to separate ourselves from him. We hear this most amazing truth and we say, whoa, that's awesome. But our life doesn't change at all. Or we hear of this gift of love and mercy and grace and we turn around and we judge and complain and withhold compassion for others. Or we want to believe, but you know, I got some living to do first. Got some sinning to do first. I got some stuff to take care of. I'll get around to it maybe someday. Or perhaps I just have too many questions. I have a desire to believe, but I need all the answers. No, you don't. Jesus is the answer. If he can defeat death, he's more than sufficient for you. The veil is torn, and yet so many of us live as if there is a darkness and a weight that covers over us. Have you ever gotten stuck in your sheets and your comforter in your bed? <laughs> maybe as a kid, you know, maybe if you're one of these sleepers who moves around a lot while you're sleeping, and you get all tangled up, and your head's under the covers, the sheets and the comforter, it's all around you, and at first it's kind of like, cozy, right? It's like, this is pretty comfortable. I got my comforter and my sheets, and I'm warm, and I'm cozy, and it's dark, and this is kind of pleasing. But then maybe you want to get out, and you realize you are really tangled in there, and it starts to freak you out, right? Have you been there? You start to wonder, can I get out of this bed? Can I get out of this comfort? Panic starts to set in. You worry about suffocating. You're worried about death by comforter, but how many of us have actually experienced death by comfort? Seriously, how many of us live outside of Jesus? We are in the dark, though we may not know it. We're carrying all our own burdens, though we act like we can handle it, all the while pursuing the things that comfort us, that please us, that we think satisfies us all the things that are all about us. We reject God's transformational love for the empty promises and the fleeting comforts of this world. And when we look deep inside, we don't see happiness, we see a void. What do you gain by living a life of comfort and luxury if we lose our souls to hell for eternity? The greatest lie we can believe is that this life is all there is. And that there's no life beyond this. So let's live it up and fill our lives with all the seductions this world has to offer. That, my friends, is death by comfort. Because there is nothing in this world that can ever fill that void within us other than the one who created us. This world is so broken. 
You do not have to look far to experience that. You do not have to live long to feel the hurt of this world. Our earthly joys and comforts are tainted by that brokenness. To live for this world is to accept a counterfeit life. It is so much less than what you were created for. And we will miss out on who we were made to be. We'll miss out on the comfort that in Christ we have no fear of death. There's no greater comfort in this life than the comfort that comes from Christ. There is no greater purpose in this life than the purpose that comes from Christ. There is no greater love in this life than the love that is Jesus Christ. His body was broken so that you might be made whole. He poured everything out so that you might be filled up. He became sin so that you may be freed from sin. He died so you might live. He entered the darkness so you might bask in his light. He rose so you can live forever. Who is Jesus? To the hurting, he's the healer. To the addict, he is hope. To the lonely, he's a friend. To the grieving, he is our comforter. To the lost, he's our guide. The questioning, he's the answer. To the confused, he is clarity. To the angry, he is the calm in the storm. To the sinner, he is the Savior. He is the risen Lord. He made a way from death to life for you. God has done everything possible to close that gap, to come close to you, to remove that separation. Why? Why does he go to such lengths when we don't deserve it? Because he loves you that dearly. Because that's who he is. He didn't create you for you to go to your death. He created you to be in an everlasting, loving relationship with you forever and ever and ever. It was all because of love. He longs to be your friend, to free you from the chains of sin, to invite you into his abundant and everlasting life. Do you want this love? Because there's none greater. The price has been paid. The victory's won. It is yours. Simply repent of your sins and believe the good news. Call on him as Savior and Lord. Believe this good news of Christ Jesus, for there is none better. And you do not have to be perfect. No perfect people are allowed in this space, because there's only one who is perfect, and that is Jesus Christ. And he sees us, and he says, you're enough because I make you enough. He does not leave us alone on this journey. He gives us his death-defying, powerful spirit to live in you. And if he can conquer death, he can work in and through your life in mighty ways. Lay down your sins. Proclaim Jesus as Savior and Lord, for he alone is the way from hell to heaven, from death to life. Repeat and repent and believe. Bask in this gift of grace forever and ever because the veil is torn. The stone is rolled away. The power of hell is defeated. The victory of God has been secured through his love. Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. To the glory of God and all majesty and power alone to him. Amen. Will you pray with me?
Lord God, there is no love greater, no gift finer, no truth more astounding than your complete victory over death, your complete power over sin and darkness and the evil one. God, we give you thanks this day for all you have done, your long-suffering relationship with us, the ways that you love us to the very end, all the way to the cross. And God, if, if burying our sin were not enough, the very reality that you left it there and you raised us away from that and you conquered death once and for all and opened heaven's gates for us, we're in awe. We thank you for this day, for your victory, for your goodness. God, we do pray in the power of your spirit that you move in each one of us here today. For any that have yet to confess you as Lord and Savior, we pray that you do a mighty work in their lives. And that if there's a longing to believe, that they believe. May you do your work. And if, if you're one of those individuals, you're invited to simply pray to God and say, God, I believe in you. I am sinful, but you have made me clean. You're my Lord and Savior. You pray that with sincerity in your hearts. You are welcomed into this relationship with God forever and ever and ever. And all of heaven rejoices with you. Continue to do your amazing and mighty work, God. May we be beacons of your love and your light, for we are indeed Easter people that proclaim Jesus is Messiah. He is the one who saves. He is our Lord and Savior. Your name be praised this day, now, and forevermore. Amen.